Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Old Testament reading from Isaiah 25. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, where's the beef? Won't be a question that we'll ask when our Lord finally forks over the fullness of his feast on the last day. What he will put on his table will not disappoint, but only delight. Five-star Michelin restaurants have nothing on our God, this oh-so-divine top chef. I'm warning you up front that this sermon may make you hungry, okay? <laughs> so for you uh, that didn't eat breakfast, you, you may be very hungry for Leroy's uh, snacks after the service. Don't blame me, of course. Uh, no, we get to point the finger at the prophet Isaiah. Uh, the OT Old Testament reading this morning sets before our eyes quite the uh, surprising, savory, salvific spread. Let's get right to it, shall we? See, Prophet Isaiah, he uh, gives, us, gives us a sneak peek of the Savior's supper that will satisfy every hungry heart forever. What a feast. You heard it. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I get it. Not much shock value here for us Americans, okay? I get that. Rich food? Mm, lots of that. The translation here, the Hebrew, uh, literally is mouth-watering meats. Ooh. Juicy steaks are not in short supply, even with inflation, folks. I mean, you can just go to Logan's. Or out back following the divine service and get that juicy steak. Or if you're a, a really picky meat eater, you go to Lone Star and actually hand pick your steak. That's what my pop up likes to do. <laughs> I want that one right there. I want that one in my tum tum. That's what he does. He loves that place. Bone marrow? Uh, that's better than butter, by the way. At least I think it is. Uh, and that's saying something because I actually like butter quite a bit. That's not in short supply either. Uh, Ruth's in my favorite restaurant up in Traverse City, Trattoria Stella. Ever hear of it? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. That's at the old asylum. They have bone marrow on the menu year around. Not in short supply. And wine? Oh, yeah, that's not in short supply. Just go to Costco and they have quite the selection of wine. And by the way, you don't need a membership to buy that wine. They won't, they won't tell you that, but you can, you can actually buy it without a membership. Okay. You heard it from Pastor. Okay. <laughs> no, I get it that this menu is not really shocking and awing, especially here in the United States of excess. But this is a meal that would have made the first hearers of this message excited, hungry, thirsty. They wouldn't want to miss this meal at all, period. 
Now, when prophet Isaiah penned these words 600 years before the birth of baby Jesus, God's people barely ever had a steak dinner. We're talking maybe two times, three times a year eating meat, primarily vegetarian. And bone marrow? That stuff wasn't going to find its way on any of the common folks' table. Wine? Okay, yeah, they had wine. But fresh wine, new wine, not the wine that prophet Isaiah here describes, well-aged wine. Only the elites, only the rich could afford to shelve bottles for years to get that, you know, full-bodied flavor. This menu would have made the first hearers drool, salivate. They would need a napkin. Oh, so much drool. And this meal makes us drool, too. Especially when we hear how much a seat at this table costs us. What's the price tag for a chair at the Lord's table at his forever feast? Any, any takers? Anyone want to want to guess? Did I hear it? F-R-E-E. Free. Free, 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 free. Isaiah says so in Isaiah 55, some of the most comforting words in all of Holy Writ. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food juicy meats the savior supper isn't only f-r-e-e free it satisfies every single hungry heart no that you know bone marrow up at Tertoria Stella cost me a pretty penny, and I'm going to be hungry a couple hours later. Not the Savior's Supper. This supper, this meal, this feast wipes out hunger and thirst forevermore. Now this meal, this meal, becomes so much more appetizing, doesn't it? When we learn, when we realize that this meal leaves us never wanting, never needing, never lacking ever again, Filled and fulfilled forever. But the Savior's Supper seems so distant as we lick the pots and the plates in Sorrow's Kitchen. It's almost like every single morning we wake up and we find ourselves in Sorrow's Kitchen and there is not a shortage of gruesome gruel Heart tears, bitter bread, foul fears, and sick slop. What's cooking in sorrow's kitchen is tough to stomach, hard to swallow. So much gruesome gruel gulped down as we see the gore with missiles exploding. Families murdered, violence and bloodshed and racism and hatred unleashed, and thousands upon thousands displaced from their homes. 
so many tart tears as we taste it, as we, as we hold the hands of our dying loved ones, as we feel that empty spot in our beds, as we think of what could have, should have, would have been. So much bitter bread with unmet expectations, unfulfilled plans, broken dreams, dashed hopes. So many foul-smelling fears with all of the unknowns over our health, over our relationships, over our finances, over our limitations, over our future. So much sick slop from sins. The sins we commit, but also the sins committed against us, leaving us feeling queasy and so uneasy. When it comes to Sorrow's Kitchen, it's like we, we have tasted every crumb on every plate, every drop in every single pot. Dear friends, no matter, no matter how many pots and plates we've licked in Sorrow's Kitchen, we won't taste death at all. Because our Lord has ingested, digested, and passed death for us all. That's the good news this morning, dear friends. You heard it from the pen of the prophet Isaiah, verses 7 and 8. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Now when these words were first written, the first audience would have heard a great reversal. See, in the ancient world, death was often personified and deified as the great swallower. The great swallower gobbling up everything and everyone, no one, nothing can stop the great swallower. Insatiable appetite, licking its chops 24-7, always hungry, never content, always needing more and more. Every single human being on the great swallower's plate. But then the great reversal. Here in Isaiah chapter 25. The great swallower is swallowed up by, 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 by the Lord. The great swallower finds itself on the Lord's plate and in the Lord's tum-tum, in his belly, ingested, digested, and passed, flushed down the toilet. We won't taste death ever. And that is because our Lord tasted death for you and for me, for everybody. See, our Lord is in the business of actually shutting down Sorrow's Kitchen's business. And he will do it in the most unexpected way by trying out every single thing on the menu in Sorrow's Kitchen. See, Jesus is the man of sorrows who sips and sups his way through 
sorrow's kitchen into the new creation where we will feast at his supper without interruption. All that we could ever taste in sorrow's kitchen, Jesus has already tasted, smelled and tasted. That's what prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Jesus is the man of sorrows who knows sorrow's kitchen better than anyone ever will. All the gruesome gruel, bitter bread, tart tears, foul fears, sick slop, he consumed. So whatever you're eating right now in Sorrow's Kitchen, and we're all eating something from Sorrow's Kitchen, he has already tasted. He has already eaten. He knows exactly what you and I are going through. Gruesome gruel gulped down. Bullied by religion and politics. Betrayed by his best friends. Beaten with cruel, oppressive rods. Tart, tears, tasted, wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus. Wept over Jerusalem because they did not recognize him as the friend of sinners. Bitter bread, nibbled. Dear friends, all of humanity's broken dreams and silent screams he shared, he partook of. Foul, fears, smelled, whiffed and sniffed all that could scare and scar us. Sick, slop, Scarfed down, Jesus took into himself all of our sins, the violence, the bloodshed, the hatred, the racism, <coughs> the paybacks, the get-evens, all of our wickedness. He took into himself. And then this man of sorrows does the unthinkable. He sighs and he dies on the cross. On Good Friday, a day that prophet Isaiah saw coming 600 years before that day occurred. Isaiah 53 again. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Wounded there is pierced. Pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. What so many saw as death eating Jesus on the cross was actually Jesus eating death. See, it's Jesus who is the death eater and defeater. How do we know this? How do we know this? Oh, oh, haven't done this in a while. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Sure, Jesus sighs and dies, but then there's that Easter morning rise that, that, that shroud, that veil, that, that wrapped the lifeless body of Jesus. Neatly folded where? In the empty 
grave. In that neatly folded burial shroud, veil, proclaims that there is now nothing in sorrow's kitchen, not even the most deadly dish, death, that can harm us, hurt us, do us in, destroy us. Dear friends, where's the death? That empty grave means there's no, there's no leftovers. Jesus swallowed up all of death, all of death. And he promises from the cross, he said, it is finished. Death is done. Death is dead. Death is defeated. This man of sorrows, dear friends, is the man who will end all of our sorrows. All of them. That's his promise. He's going to end all sorrows. That steady diet of gruesome gruel, tart tears, bitter bread, foul fears, sick slop, won't last. Can't last. How can it? A day is coming when uh, there's going to be a change in the menu. A change for good, for better, for the best, forever. Isaiah 25, 9. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. Now this is the glad day that will swallow up every single sad day on the last day. The trumpet will sound. And that trumpet blast, dear friends, will be the great Dinden Bell. Calling us all to eat and drink, feast and fellowship, wine and dine with our God. That nail-scarred hand will reach down to our graves, pull us out, dust us off, and wipe away every single tear from our eyes. And when every single eye is dry, Jesus will say, come with me. Come with me. And he will lead this, 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 this parade filled with smiles and laughs and life and bring us into the Father's house. And when we get inside the Father's house, our eyes are going to get so big. What a salvation spread ready for you and for me. And we will take our seat. Raise our glasses to Jesus, and we will say, This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Our waiting for Jesus will transform, be transformed into his waiting on us. His serving us. He will dish out and fork over a meal, a feast, a din-din, that will satisfy every single hungry heart. And here we get an appetizer of that meal. Here we get a taste of the Savior's Supper, which guarantees that the pots and the plates that we lick in Sorrow's Kitchen won't last. Come, everything is ready. Come to the feast, come the wine of his blood poured, come the bread of his body served. Come with all of your frustrations 
disappointments, unmet expectations, unfulfilled plans, anger, questions. Come with all of your disappointments. Come and taste that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. Come sip and sup with Jesus through Sorrow's Kitchen into his dining hall where you will never ask the question, where's the beef? When we get there, folks, we'll take one bite, wipe our mouths, and we will realize in that moment that we are missing nothing, lacking nothing, needing nothing in the house of our God. And this morning, this God, the God who satisfies every hungry heart, welcomes us. Will we receive him? Come, everything is ready. Come to the feast. Dinner is served. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.